Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I am your host, Charles Wallace. Today's guest is a member of the Las Vegas SWAT team and also a best-selling author of the book, October Strong. So please, without further ado, let's welcome Alan Goodrich to the show. Hi, Alan. How are you doing? Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Charles, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, great to have you. Uh, I'm going to... I probably won't do it justice. I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself to the audience. Well, my name is Alan Goodrich. I'm a Las Vegas native. Uh, I've been a police officer since 2006 and uh, really enjoy my job. And um, I've been blessed to have a pretty, pretty cool career and, and um, recently a published author and uh, just working a lot and helping out cops with, you know, mental health issues and, uh, and the struggles that we all go through. So basic rundown of me and not not a whole lot of else exciting just uh just a regular guy i love your modesty uh you're doing you're doing great work and i see what you're doing as far as your content on linkedin it, it's really it's needed and i think it's appreciated by many so you mentioned about being a published author i know uh your book is called october strong and what i wanted to start with was what what inspired you to write it and then I also wanted to ask you, was was it was it challenging to kind of fictionalize, you know, an event that you're you're basing the book off of? Uh, that that's a good question. Uh, I hope you got a <laughs> I hope you got a second. But uh yeah. um what what originally inspired me to write it was um and I, I know I've talked about this before, so I apologize for other people who've heard the story, but for those who haven't heard it, um you know, I was involved in a critical incident a, a few years ago and, uh, you know, we, we call shootings our critical incidences, right? So, you know, layman's terms, I was involved in a shooting and, and the aftermath of the shooting, you get placed on administrative leave. And so I was placed on administrative leave for a little bit. And, uh, while they do their investigation and, and just the routine stuff that, that the department does. And while I was on administrative leave, <clears throat> one of my friends, a uh, real close friend of mine, you know, he, he could see the, uh, he could see through my facade. So like on the outside, I looked like I was doing good. You know, I would, I would still be me, but on the inside, I was really, I was really struggling, you know, and uh, I, I was kind of spiraling on a downhill spiral personally in my personal life. And uh, when he saw, when he saw these things in me, he, he kind of was just sitting me down and giving me a tip on how to deal with it, you know, because you know, they send you to doctors and they check you out and they talk to you about your feelings. And I, I really never responded well to that stuff. 
you know, I could say the correct things. I could check the box and I could say what they wanted to hear, but I really wasn't responding well to that, um, to that interaction with those doctors and not to say it doesn't have its place and do a good job, but it just wasn't doing it for me. And so he encouraged me to kind of write down the incident and, uh, you know, write it down as detailed as I could and, and just put it in an envelope and never look at it again. So I did. And, um, I felt that when I wrote the incident down, it, it, it did something for me that I wasn't expecting. And, and not that I didn't listen to his advice. I just didn't understand or grasp what that would do for me. But it, it in, in a nutshell, it felt good. And I wrote it down and I didn't look at it again. But as the coming days and weeks would happen after that, I would start to get in those moments where it's, you know, pretty dark and, and, and uncomfortable. And so rather than just grabbing a bottle of whiskey and disappearing to my bedroom and drinking myself to sleep, I started um, just writing down stories of things I had seen throughout my career. And, you know, I know there's a lot of books out there by authors and cops that are, you know, running gun battles and car chases and bank robberies. But for me, writing down stories of things that I had seen from, you know, myself or other friends of mine that were just heartwarming and, uh, you know, kindness and law enforcement and, and heroic acts that just never got told. So for me, just writing down those stories was kind of almost a, a type of therapy. And I, you know, I had a big collection of fun stories and, um, you know, I had shown them to a friend of mine and he's like, man, you got a talent for telling stories. We should, we should publish this. And, uh, you know, I never thought that I would. Um, and so we kind of like sat down and the fictionalized part of it was we, we had a bunch of stories from a bunch of friends, but we kind of just condensed them into a few characters just to kind of kind of paint the picture of what a what a life of a first responder feels like and so the book isn't necessarily about police officers it's about firefighters emts paramedics um nurses veterans and just go it covers the whole broad spectrum of first responders or or, or military for that matter and um we just kind of created several characters that we could put lots of stories together and just kind of open it out for the public to see like, this is what it's like to, to go through a day in our shoes, you know, that we're, that we're normal people and that we, we feel things and that we have emotions just like anyone else. So it, the, the fictionalizing, it wasn't difficult for me. The difficult part was just putting myself out there where people would get to basically see my dirty laundry and the struggles that I went through. I think that's admirable though, not just a job you do, but to be willing to talk about. And I think that, by doing that, you're going to give other people, first responders, especially courage to know that it's, it's okay to talk about it. Um, has it been challenging for you since writing the book? How do you kind of balance now your, your both careers now between being a police officer and, you know, having a published book out there? How do you do that balancing act? Uh, I'm trying to still figure that one out. It's very difficult. Um, for, for, for one side of things, you know, I have, I have lots of good friends on our department and, and a lot of people who are proud of me, but I, I'm a pretty private person, Charles. I don't like, I don't like attention. I don't, I, I don't seek fame. I don't seek fortune, but I, I do feel like this can help people. And so it's, it's extremely uncomfortable for me to go on podcasts and, and to just put myself out there where now people know that, you know, I did this and I have cops 
constantly i'll just walk down the street and there are people i don't know they'll just come up to me and be like hey dude i read your book it was fantastic thanks and and while i'm super appreciative of it and it means a lot to me that that it's touching people's lives i just would rather like be in the background and be done with it but but you know every time i do these you know it's uncomfortable but but all my friends are telling me hey it's really good it's it's helping people out so just keep doing it and so it's it is a real tough balance um and i got more people asking for more books and um but you know we're we're a very busy team you know our swat team's probably one of the busiest in the country so i i go do my job and then if i get a few minutes at home i still find myself in that therapy mode you know typing away something and and i'm working on some other stuff that's completely not even cop related right now so it's it's kind of fun just to you know see, see where this road takes me i i don't know but the balancing act it, it's it's become very difficult for me well i'll tell you what i think and i'll give you a compliment here i think you're doing a really nice job um you're you're starting to work through the balancing act because you're you're actually humanizing and i think that's needed right of of police in in general and i think unfortunately sometimes there's a bad rap and i think you know that what you're doing putting out there and putting a face to it and doing this to help other people. I think it is a, it is a good thing. Um, so you say you're writing some stuff uncop related, but how, how is what you've experienced in your career even influence some of that, that you're writing now that may not be, I'll say cop related. How, how has that influenced you? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if my career has necessarily influenced me to be a writer per se, you know, I, I really enjoy reading in general and I've always been kind of a bookworm. So I always kind of, you know, I, I, I've always grown up reading Tom Clancy and Clyde Cussler and um, Hemingway. I mean, anything I could get my hands on, I love to read as an adult, you know, as a kid, I, yeah, I was too ADHD to even sit down with a book, you know, so as a kid, there was no way, but as an adult, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't read, or I don't, you know, watch movies and stuff like that. I, I do enjoy television, but I find myself reading more. So I always wanted to write, but I feel like I'm a really good storyteller. And uh, one of the cool positions is I have a lot of cool stories. You know, there's, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff that we do on our job, but um, I don't, I don't want, I got to balance it because at one point I, I, I can't exploit some of the things that we do at work. I can't exploit our tactics and our, and our department's procedures. And I try and walk a fine line there, but at the same time, I feel like, um, I just feel like there's a lot of stories out there that aren't told. You know, we hear the stories on the news of, you know, this guy screwed up and that guy screwed up or this woman screwed up and in uniform, you know, and it's heartbreaking because we're, we're human beings, but the stuff that we see on a day-to-day -day basis, that's just, you would not believe it unless you saw it, that that stuff doesn't get told. And it very rarely does it even get recognized within our own. So, yeah, you'll get a medal or you'll get a piece of paper from your boss saying good job on this. But I, I want to be a, a mouthpiece and maybe an ambassador to let the world know, you know, the good stuff that we do. I'm I guess I'm an optimist. You know, there's a lot of good stuff that we do. Yeah. Having, you know, my family being police, you know, other relatives, things like that. I I do. I'm. I'm I've had other police officers on the podcast and I like to provide at least a small platform for you guys to present all the good that you do. I think it's important because I think it's a serious issue and you start to touch on it a little bit. 
how do you balance and how do you see people within SWAT and police balance a lot of that bad stuff, the horrible things you see with your mental health? And it feels like a lot of times people are afraid to discuss it or talk about it. That that that's a major that's a major issue. You know, I would say I, I just had one of the coolest conversations with a gentleman here at SHOT Show this week. Uh, Brian Murphy, and I, if if I, I probably don't have permission to tell all his stories, but if you don't know who Brian Murphy is, look him up. Um, I'll probably have to talk to him further to get permission to tell his stories. But this is one guy who I'm just walking around SHOT Show and I was introduced to him. And, you know, I'm supposed to be working a booth for a company I instruct for. And, and I just disappeared and spoke to this guy for about two hours because I just get lost in his in his story. And uh, he, you know, after all this stuff and all these struggles and these things I'm trying to go through, uh, I, I, I'm constantly learning and speaking with Brian. he said very impactful things to me. Um, one of them specifically was talking about. Um, ways that he found to so he he went through a lot and then physically and then a lot mentally afterwards and he found a way which he described it to me as not healing per se but maybe putting a cap on the pain and because you're always going to have to deal with it but to be able to function and move forward with with the baggage that you carry he found a way to put a cap on it but you're you're absolutely right. We work in a service-based industry where we have priorities. Our our priorities are one, we we serve the public, right? That's our number one job is to serve someone else. And then after that, we'll come home, we'll try and be a part of the family, and that comes second. And then somewhere like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve comes us. And so because we're so serve service oriented, we're we're not thinking of ourselves, we're trying to help everybody else. And then the thing that gets left behind is us. And we, we don't realize that. And so it sounds selfish to say that, like, I might need to take care of me a little bit so that I can effectively take care of the public and our families and, you know, our coworkers. And I, I, when he said that to me, I was just like blown away because that's so true. And then on top of that, to add to add to that service based hierarchy that we live in and, and order we take things on a SWAT team, you add bravado. You know, I'm a tough guy. I can handle it. Um, I'm strong. Right. And so we don't talk about our struggles, you know, like if you want to get stronger, you go to the gym and you lift weights. If you want to get faster, you go for a run. But if you're struggling mentally or emotionally, like what is the, what is the path and exercise regimen you can do to strengthen that? And that's something that we're, I think we're really, really getting to a point in not just law enforcement, but first responders in general and military and, where, where it's becoming, I think it's finally becoming a point where people are talking about this, not just, hey, you know, toughen up, go back to work. Like, what can we do to help you? You know, um, I've had a lot of friends commit suicide and uh, and that's a very common thing and uh, both in military and law enforcement. And, and a lot of times there's no reaching out. There's just an end. But I think now, especially here in Las Vegas with our department, they are so focused on our mental being and our mental welfare. So we, our department recently created a thing called the wellness bureau, which is an entire bureau focused on your physical and, and mental well-being. And it's, 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 it's impressive, Charles. Like I'm, I'm very impressed. We've got a new sheriff recently and, and he understands it 
probably better than anybody before him. And, and he created this whole thing to, to be there and help us. And it's not perfect. You know, it's not, but it, it's getting better and better and better. And it's, it's very impressive. So it, it's a, it's a balancing act, but I think we're getting to a point where we can, we can finally start talking about it's all right to be not all right. Yeah. You reminded me as you spoke through that, I was having a conversation last week and it was about putting yourself, where do you come in at? Right. And the gentleman actually said something poignant. I'll share with you. He said, you know, it's almost impossible to put yourself first, but we at least have to be better at not putting ourselves last. He said, because if we can do that, we'll serve everybody better. I, Correct. I, I mean, that... so sorry to cut you off, but it's like that oxygen mask on the airplane thing, mm -hmm. but you know, you, you put it on yourself before you help someone else. And it's just something we don't think about. So thinking about the wellness bureau and just for, for SWAT police, procedure-based organizations and teams, you're about protocol procedures, right? Are you starting to see now that they're actually putting procedures and protocol in place officially to start to make it, you know, a responsibility that other people, yourself, have to have your mental health as a priority? Well, I don't know about procedures. I'm, I'm probably pretty new to what procedures they have in place. But I do know, you know, from personal experience with a friend of mine recently, and uh, once again, it's kind of private, so I won't go too much into it. But uh, a real good friend of mine, a former teammate, recently was going through some pretty big issues. And uh, the issues came to a point where people knew about it. And the, uh, the people who are now in this new bureau jumped right on it and uh, got him the care he needed. So I don't know if they have a policy in place where if this happens, then this happens. But I'll tell you, there's there's genuine people who, who actually, you know, to say it bluntly, give a crap. Yeah, that, that's good to hear because I think you guys deserve it. Like you I listen, I think you guys have a thankless job. I mean, for everyone that's appreciative of it, I think there's too many that aren't. And you deserve a lot of thanks and our respect, first off. And I think that hearing that people are caring and giving a damn about your well-being it, it is important um so as far as your book what what are you hoping as far as the readers right what do you want them to take away from your book that's a great question so it began as more or less therapy for me but as i started in and and kind of i don't want to say like as I started, it was therapy, like no, no doubt about it. But as it started to morph into this thing that was like a train that had left the station and I couldn't control it, I was like, where am I going on this train? This is, this is insane. Um, now it's to the point where I'm having lots of people reach out to me and, uh, and it sounds really selfish to say this, but it began as therapy for me. And, uh, now, as, as many, many people are reaching out to me, telling me about their experiences and how it's helped them, it's benefiting. It's, like I said, it sounds selfish, but it helps. It makes me feel good that, to know that, it, that it's doing good for somebody. And, and it gives me more and more fuel to do these uncomfortable things like interviews and, and people shaking their hand on the street. So I guess twofold. One, one I wanted to help folks. I really do. And when I say help folks, I, I mean on, the, on two sides. So one... 
you know, if somebody is going through those struggles as a first responder, or it, it doesn't even have to be a first responder, it could be anybody, but uh, trauma is trauma, you know, trauma to a, a guy who works at a bank or, or, a, or a woman who is a nurse or a firefighter, trauma is trauma. So one, I, I really wanted to help folks out and to just, just help with understanding. And, and the second part is um, not just help with all that trauma, but um, the feedback that we're getting from this is that like, let's say there's a, a, a police officer who's hired on the job and his mother notices changes in him and the mom has no background in law enforcement. So the second part is it's really helping family members of first responders understand that this is the why we are the way we are. You know, if, if you're your son, daughter, brother, sister, cousin, or, or husband, wife, spouse comes home from a shift and they just got that thousand yard look in their eyes and they don't want to talk about work. Maybe this is giving you an understanding as somebody who's not in the industry of they may have seen something that just that was it for them. That that was the day that some wires got crossed and you don't have to understand what they're going through, but just understand that they're going through it. Maybe give them some space, maybe give them a hug, maybe be patient with them. Maybe don't yell at them for not taking out the, the you know, the garbage. I, I guess just give an understanding Charles of, of sometimes things aren't all right. And, and this is, this maybe is what happened to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think it's a great, a great message. And, and I think also, you know, great message, great thing. I also, I think I read somewhere about with the book, you're doing some, a charitable component uh, to the wounded blue. Could you tell us a little more about that? Yeah. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. So um, when I started putting these stories together, you know, while I would like to take credit for the stories, they're, they're not all mine. So uh I was using stories of friends of mine who just did some pretty cool things. And of course I got their permission to, you know, use their stories and I, and I changed names and dates and stuff like that, but the stories are true. And so as I was putting it together, you know, my publisher and some other people were talking to me saying, Hey, there, there could be some money involved in this. And it felt uh, dirty to, to take money from somebody else's story. And I get, I'm putting it together and I'm using the creative aspect, but I, I, I wasn't the person that did X, Y, and Z. And so I, I, I didn't like the idea of getting the money for it. And uh, so my real good friend and mentor runs a charity called the wounded blue. And uh, his name is Randy Sutton. And, and he, he was kind of with me from day one on who to contact for editing and publishing and, the creative art material on the cover. And so Randy was really walking me through all the steps and, and Randy, if you don't know Randy Sutton, this is a guy who is extremely talented and extremely motivated, but he wakes up at like 4am in the morning and goes to bed at one o'clock at night. And all, all he does is think about ways to help cops by his charity. So this is a completely selfish guy. And uh, I was just sitting there. I'm like, you know what? Like, let's just give this money to the wounded blue. So we've donated and we are, well, we're donating all the money from all these proceeds to the wounded blue that our intent is just to help out the wounded blue as much as we can. Fantastic. And kudos to you for that. And I, I do know of Randy. I've had some other guests who've spoken of Randy. So um, I, 
hear nothing but great things about Randy. So that, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too. Um, kind of want to end with this through your book, through your actions, just the way you carry yourself. Alan, how do you hope to kind of influence public's perception and understanding of like challenges that you guys face in law enforcement? I don't know what part I will play in the future. Um, will I be a big voice? Will I be a small voice? I don't know. Um, but you know, I got to walk around with Randy at the shot show just a little bit yesterday. And, and as we're walking with him, people were just coming up to him in droves and like, Randy Sutton, let me get a picture. Thank you so much. And, and I just pulled him aside afterwards. I'm like, dude, like if I could be in a position someday to help people out like you do, like that would be it. That would be all I want to do. So going forward, I, you know, I've, I've been, like I said, I've been contacted by a handful of people who, you know, I don't want to tell their stories too much, but just blew me away with some of their feedback and responses having read this. And I never thought that would happen, but if I can be a big voice, I'll be a big voice. If I, if I just, if I'm a small voice and just, just one person, if I can just help one person, then uh, that's it. But you know, whatever capacity I'm going to fill in the future, I'll fill that role. But the, the one person is enough for me. It really is. One person's life changed or one person helped. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. It's, uh, it's admirable what you're doing. And I look forward to, I mentioned before we started, uh, I appreciate you sending me a copy uh, probably is going to arrive today. Uh, so I'm definitely going to jump in and read that. I'm looking forward to it, especially now after speaking with you a bit. Um, the last thing that I did want to ask you was having experienced all you've experienced, it sounds like it's been a journey. Um, who you are currently sitting there right now, what would you say to yourself just even six months, a year ago? How would you advise yourself? <laughs> Put on a seat belt, buddy. It's going to get bumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, any, uh, you mentioned anything in the near future as far as uh, a book or anything to look forward to or just works in progress? Yeah. Um, two that we're working on right now. Um, well, there's technically a third. Uh, one is completely unrelated to law enforcement and it's just I'm, I'm trying out my hand and being a creative person and has absolutely nothing to do with law enforcement. It's, it's, it's a fun, fun tale. Can't get into it too much, but it'll it'll probably be written under a different name because uh, my name's attached to the October Strong, and I've got this image. And uh, this next thing I'm working on may or may not be uh, that that Alan Goodrich clean cut uh, great image, but it's gonna be fun. I'm just trying my artistic ability on that. But as I, I am working on one, um, don't have the name quite down yet, but it's going to be base basically dealing around discipline and. Uh, and how to how to put on a smile when you get in trouble, you know, be it at work, at home to not get down on yourself. And it's going to cover all basics from, you know, dealing with coworkers, dealing with bosses, administrative trouble, all the way up to criminal trouble. So, you know, we all step in it. We all trip. We all fall. And I like to use um, who was he? There was that a uh, motivational speaker of. Oh, his name, I can't think off the top of my head, but he always had this thing saying fail forward. Um, oh, what was his name? Anyway, that the idea of fail forward, that that failure 
if you're not failing, you're not trying. And, and the successful people out there didn't get successful because they didn't fail. They failed constantly. And so it's going to deal with all the failures that we go through, but find a way to stand up, pick yourself up, keep moving forward, keep opening up doors, get the blood off your knees, keep going, have a smile on your face and have a great attitude because we're all going to get in trouble. We're all going to step in it and we're all going to fail, but just keep failing forward. What a great message to end with, Alan. Fantastic. And hey, I'm going to I'm going to call you out right now on this. Once that book comes out, I want to have you back on. You got it. That'll be right up my alley. I would love to talk about that more with you. Well, listen, I uh, I know you're a busy man. I appreciate you giving me some time. Uh, wish you nothing but success with the book, your future books. Uh, first and foremost, stay safe out there. We we all appreciate what you do, and thank you again. Well, I thank you, Charles. You gave me the most important thing you have in your life, and that's your time. So I, I, I'm appreciative to you, sir. Awesome. Glad, glad we got a chance to connect. Looking forward to the book. Um, I will message you once the book shows up, and uh, I will be gladly sending you feedback about how much I'm enjoying it. So thanks again. Right on. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Take care. And Hey, by the way, if you can, thank a police officer. They're doing the work that none of us want to do. Thanks, Alan. Take care. Bye. Bye. This has been The Bare Essentials. Thanks for listening. And remember, never hibernate on your goals.